Hello, and welcome to Ignite the Blitzkrieg podcast. So, I got really lucky and a great opportunity to interview Rebecca Vader. She's a local artist in kind of the Boise and surrounding area. Um, she's a great friend, awesome person, and I'm glad I got to do an interview. So, uh, we threw this together and hope you mm-hmm. like it. Check her out. Um, she's a sweetie. She's got some great insights and, I don't know, life experience. And so, I'm grateful to have had her as a guest and hope everybody checks her out. Instagram is at mine underscore garden and website mine gardens mind garden studios.com and a little tidbit was she was in the band little miss and the no little miss and the no names which was like I don't know I was a fucking fan <laughs> um but I had became like an instant fan when I heard them and that was back in the days we chat about that chat about a lot of stuff and hope you all like it and I'll probably throw in a song at the end and I don't know so it'll be good and take a listen audio quality is not the great I was at local cafe and um and Phil Collins is our wonderful background music But, yeah, that's about it. Enjoy the podcast and hope you like it. And I'm going to keep them coming. Talk to you later. Enjoy the podcast. Bye. In a British accent the whole time. Hello. Hello, Rebecca. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) <laughs> so, I'm recording now. Hi. Uh, you don't have to be serious, I guess. So I don't care. But I'm here with Rebecca Vader. Oh. Right, right, right. Yes. <laughs> Roy. Roy. Uh, I don't really know how to start all this, but I'm kind of curious of your background and upbringing and all that. Oh, yeah. How... How were you? How did you come out of the womb, and how did that form into the being you are today? I was cut out of the womb through several inches of scar tissue. Oh my god! Um, brought into a bright, shining light, and um, yeah, it was a little traumatic. But yeah, I came out of the womb and. Life just never got less traumatic after that. It was just a series of traumatic events, one after another. Uh, where'd you grow up in? At, I guess? I grew up in Las Vegas. Okay. Yeah. How was that? It was awful. Kind of what I hear. Yeah. It's not the best place to raise children, but, you know, have I... You, the worst, I guess. Have you gone back, and do you, like, find it enjoyable? Or, I don't know. I've gone back to Vegas um, since I moved. I moved right when I turned 18. I was like, I'm going to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> um, 
I have gone back probably four or five times for like conventions or events. And each and every time I'm just like, this place is so terrible. (laughs) Like how could anyone want to willingly live here? But at the same time, like booze, you know, cool people, depending on what you're doing, like, yeah, every, that makes everything, like, tolerable. Huh. I, it's very overwhelming for me. Like, the little bit that I've been to Vegas, and it's, like, it's too overload for me. I'm just like, this is horrible. I want yeah. out. I want out. And then, I guess, I don't know, where'd your, where'd your interest kind of go as you, like, grew up? Um, so, I, I have always been a little, like, different, um, than most people around me that I think, I think, you know, but I always, um, kind of did my own thing, and was pretty unconventional, and I ended up getting really into punk rock when I was little, like, 13 years old, and I ended up being one of those, like, long-term punk rockers, um, where I was, like, you know, spiky hair, drunk punk, until I was, like, 27, and then I was like, oh, I'm kind of like a juggalo. I should probably stop doing All that. Right, what? <laughs> and and I, think, I think I'm more punk rock now, but because I'm just, like, myself at this point, like, I'm not trying to be, like, a, like a fit into some yeah. little, like, punk rock box, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been, I don't know, pretty fascinated with punk, punk rock and all that, and, like, uh... It's interesting because it's like everybody wants to be different, but then you're conforming still to some kind of ideology yes. or like, I don't know, picture, image, or whatever. It's just kind of funny. And it's like, I don't know, I'm kind of finding it later in life <laughs> <laughs> or something. That's weird. But I don't know. And then, um, I don't know, schooling and all that. I what were your interests, I guess, in school? Did you do a lot of art or anything? Oh, or man, just like- yeah. Like, I've always been super-duper drawn to art. Um, and I think that's probably why I really liked the punk rock culture, too, is just because um, it was very artistic and expressive musically. And, you know, it was it was a lot... There was angst and anger and, like, all of this crazy stuff. But it was also, like... It was fascinating. It was different. It was art. It was like 100% art. And um, but when I was in school, I always did art. Always was an art class. Like art class is always like my focal point. And um, I was always the weird kid. You know, I got picked on like all, all of schooling. Like all like I'm I'm not even kidding. From like from like preschool <laughs> all the way until I would f- finally told my mom mom I'm not going back to school oh, I was picked on like nonstop, um and it was just because I was always like I, I I couldn't ever be anything other than what I was you know yeah and so huh. but yeah art get beat up or they just like um, more emotional. <laughs> I I didn't I didn't get beat up at school um I did actually I got into some fights but um I, yeah, I just got picked on a lot, like, um, ganged up, like, little girls, when I, I remember, like, my earliest memories, like, little, little kids in, like, preschool, a girl group, like, ganging up on me, and, like, making fun of me, and then, you know, in, in, like, elementary school, like, I really liked dogs, and I really liked aliens, and I would draw dogs and aliens all day long, and, like, make little clay figures, and all this shit, and they would say stuff like, 
you like dogs so much, you're becoming one. Oh and my just, God. just stupid kid shit, but like totally devastating to my ego and my like, um, and then in high school when I was, you know, that's why I, and I was like, okay, well, you know, if no one likes me, like I'm going to be a punk rocker and give you a reason not to <laughs> like me. Like, yeah. F you and um and so I just became like a real loner at that point because uh, like there was no I went to like a you know a preppy school yeah. my parents had just moved into like a richer area like they their, their business was doing well we like moved that's still in Vegas yeah this was still in Vegas and um they opened a brand new high school and I moved there and, and I was just like I was a loner and got picked on and and the uh the staff of the school didn't like me because. I was, you know, wearing cut-off sleeves and, like, hand-making my clothes, like, yeah. hand-making my skirts. And so I would get sent home. Um, like, they would put me on suspension or whatever just because yeah. of my clothes. Oh, and so I, I just finally got to the point where I was like, Mom, I, I just have to, like, you have to, like, take me out and give me a different option or, like, I am just going to, like, never go to school. And I wasn't a bad kid. Like, I was a good kid, and I got good grades, but I was just like, I'm not doing this. Like, I'm. this is too much pressure for me and, like, too hard. So so she let me go to alternative schooling um, in 10th grade, and I worked, and then I was, that was the end of my school career. <laughs> good. No, I'm kidding. I feel, I'm traumatized from school. Like, even, I don't know, going to college, I was just, I didn't good for a while but then after a while I was just like I don't want to be here anymore but I still push push through um uh I don't know so did you do a lot of art in high school or like classes or anything or just kind of like your own free um I free for all I don't know yeah I did a lot of art um both both like in my own personal space and in class and stuff and that was always Always where it was pretty natural, it's the art side of it. Yeah. I'm drawn to it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's so stupid. Yeah, I, I, actually, I actually failed math class, like, severely felt like was in the lowest ranking, uh-huh. like, side of math. Not because, like, I couldn't have potentially been good at math, it was because, like, I gave such little shit about math class that I would, my math, um, portfolios are just filled up with drawings I sit there and draw and draw and draw and draw and like yeah you, um, I don't know were you better at like caricatures or if you want to say it or I don't know or just I don't know what do you end up drawing a lot I guess mostly or I still have I I actually still have my books but they I used to draw just like punk rockers yeah yeah and like yeah, punk rockers and Rats. Just like little drawings and sketches of my friends and like cool yeah. people I thought would look cool. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. No, I still have like those. We had like the planners and stuff. They started giving those out in like middle school and stuff. I still have some of those and they're just riddled with drawings, little doodles and stuff. And then I like to just kind of mutilate things for whatever reason <laughs> so it just like slowly evolved into like this massive whatever and like they'd have like the plastic sleeve on it that i like heat things up and make little spikes and like, <laughs> it's always i don't know very destructive uh i don't know how do you feel like you've found a 
a voice in art or anything like that? I don't know how you want to really phrase that. That's a weird question. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, it has definitely been like an evolution. And I still know, like, I still know I'm evolving. And that this is just like a, like, this is just a period in this whole thing that is happening. But, um, I definitely feel like I am on the right track and I'm doing what I am compelled to do. Like if I have a thought, I'm, I'm making it happen. I'm not, I'm not like, so yeah, I guess I do feel like I'm finding my voice in art. If that is what you meant. Like, I don't, yeah, I don't know. It's just what you feel like you're. I guess projecting what you've set out to or something like yeah. that. Yeah. And it's weird. It's weird seeing what I am making. Like yeah. I was it's weird that I'm doing mosaics right now. Yeah. Because I never thought mosaics were cool. <laughs> like never. Oh my God. And it was just like it was like I you know, I went on, like, that artistic sabbatical for a while, and then yeah. the first thing I made was a mosaic. And, like, once I did that, I was like, this is, this is badass. Like, this is, this is badass, and this is something that, like, no one is doing because it's not cool. And that's always kind of been my, like, jam, yeah. is doing stuff that, like, that is undiscovered for being cool. And, like, sometimes it ends up being cool, but most of the time, like, it still stays uncool, but that's fine. Like, I'm doing something, at least yeah. Work. I don't know, staying productive. Uh, I guess you've been doing, like, art full-time pretty much, haven't you, for yeah. a while? Like, yeah. how long has that been? Um, so I was doing art full-time, um, I did it for about four years, um, so I did the sheep wagons, which I, I thought that was kind of an art form, but like my own art, like ventured off into my own art. I did that for about close to four years. And then, um, you know, I got a divorce and then I stopped doing art for just a few months. But it was like, I was like, I'm never doing art again. Uh -huh. I don't like artists. I don't like any of this. Like, this is a dead end road. And, um lied to myself and convinced myself but it was just because I needed to, to have a restart in my life I needed yeah. to like rediscover what what all of this was on my own terms um but since then since I started doing art I've been doing it for um I'd say like three months now yeah. I have started doing art full-time again yeah did you just kind of find odd jobs in between or anything to kind of support yourself or just kind of I don't know. Or you just kind of hopped from one thing to the next, like you did. Well, so I, when I was doing it, before I went on the artistic sabbatical, I was, that's what I did okay. for a living. Oh. But I was married, so, and he was an artist, but he made really good money as an artist. So yeah. it was like I was afforded to, like, he basically supported both of okay. our, our lifestyles. Yeah. And so I could take the time to do what I wanted to and like when I would make good money it was rad and but it was also like it wasn't like as it wasn't as hardcore being an artist because I was married to an artist that was already successful right yeah. but then I got divorced and um try to try to do it on my own 
and was like um, dealing with being on my own, you know, and like yeah. realized like, oh, like life is actually hard. Millennial wake up, like, you know, like you can't, like there was a lot of things I needed to realize and, and discover and a lot of truths, like just with the way the world works and people and like, <clears throat> I had to get out of my bubble and fail. I felt, I made myself fail really, really hard. And I was, you know, I was partying too much. I was, um, I wasn't focusing. I wasn't working. I was just, yeah. I, I spent all my savings. I, I ended up selling every, like I had so much stuff. Like I had accumulated so much stuff and I sold it all for like pennies because I was just like giving up. Uh, and, um, so after that I got my first real job, quote unquote, um, that I'd had in like four years. And that was, um, I worked in the garden center, okay. which was super cool. And I, I did that just as a summer job, but it was, it was like totally necessary. Yeah. But besides that, no, like I'm, I'm still being a struggling like <laughs> person, but I'm, I'm like, I'm accepting it. I'm cool with it now. And I'm like, I'm seeing where it's going. So. Yeah. Had, or, I don't know. You mentioned the sheep wagon stuff. How'd you even get into that? Like how'd that evolve into what, what happened, I guess. What happened? What happened? <laughs> but, like, whatever that, so, that unfolded. I'm curious, because you've mentioned a couple times talking with you, and it's like, yeah. It was, it was badass. Okay, so, like, I worked, at the time, I was a, a bartender at Fatty's, and I worked at Adam and Eve, the sex shop. That's funny, I've a lot of friends that have worked there. <laughs> it's a cool place, you know, like, yeah. for, a, for like, a shitty job, it's great. I liked yeah. it. It was fun. I had the employees, the employers, like, it was a great job. Honestly, it was a great job. It was a, it was a when I say shitty, I meant, like, it was just a minimum wage job, right? Yeah. But um, it was cool. But I knew it wasn't, like, it was just a job, you know? And um, it was, a, it, that was another transitional period of my life where, I, like, I got the job to, to make sure I could survive. Yeah. Um, and when I met my ex-husband, his parents had the business for sheep wagons, and um, they're both older. They were in their, like, 50s and 60s, and it was just those two doing the job, and I was, like, I was, like, so enthralled. I was, like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. Like, you guys are building what? And so I checked it out, and... Um, they said I could come work with them, so I wouldn't be working at a sex shop, I guess, or whatever. <laughs> and I was, like, super into it, and I got to, like, um, learn the ropes. Like, they they pretty much, like, taught me how to do everything. And, awesome. Yeah. And it was super fun. And, you know, it was hard working with, it was hard working with my future parents-in-law. Yeah. And I did it for, you know, like, a year or two or whatever, and then I was just like, okay this was cool definitely not going to build sheep wagons for the rest of my life and then that's when I like mm. went on to the other side yeah. of things uh, do those sheep wagons even do they last in like the winter like dude they're badass or like you stay warm and all that like yeah so those things are like um, they test time like we would buy ones that were like a hundred years old and uh, like re redo them like but yeah they're they're so like they're they're so well um thought out and they're so simple but yeah like people use those as um 
guest guest houses yeah. and stuff. And there was one guy who had one. He was actually a traveling writer, and it was his like house That's that he would live in. And he, you know, he drove it all the way across the United States, hitched on the back of his truck. And he had it. It was like in Hurricane Katrina or some crazy hurricane. And it survived. Like he's like he's like my the roof of my house got blown off, but my sheep wagon's fine. And they're crazy. Like they're super uh, durable and uh, yeah. And and they have um, wood burning stoves in them. Okay, that's what I was curious about. Yeah. Yeah, and the they're so tiny that it doesn't take much to keep yeah. them really warm. I'm like I don't know. I really want like one of those little mini cabin like wood burning stoves. Like it just like. They're awesome. I like fire. I like warmth. And I like just yeah. something like something sturdy and like steel. But it's like I figure out how I could pipe it out and then frame, like put the metal and stuff so it doesn't get all hot and I'll burn down my place. But it's like I really want to do that. Uh, that's cool. Um, I don't know. I haven't even explained. How, or I guess how's your art evolved? Did it like start with painting, drawings? things like that and then involved in like more of your like sculptural taxidermy mosaic stuff like so it, it's so like I'm learning a lot about life and existence right now um but I've always like it's always been sort of the same but when I was a little kid my favorite media was polymer clay and I would yeah. use Sculpey, and I would make these little tiny animals yeah. out of Sculpey. Like, I had a whole, like, I had, like, a pride of lions <laughs> and a bunch of zebras. And I even had, like, a dead zebra that the lions could eat. Like, I made my own toys. That's awesome. And now as an adult, <laughs> I'm still making little tiny animals out of Sculpey. Like, for, you know, for whatever, like, I'm doing. So, um, it's always been, like, the same context. Like, um, animals and um, sort of macabre, even when I was a little kid. Um, a little punk rock, you know, whatever that means. But like yeah, DIY. DIY alternative, and not yeah. not conventional or mainstream. Like, I, I, I don't know if I, like, I could definitely do a um, trophy mount yeah. if I wanted to, but to me it sounds like hideously boring. Yeah. Like, I just could not picture, like, the amount of stress and detail. And I, I like, I've worked with a taxidermist who does beautiful work. And, like, um, I love that stuff. But it is absolutely boring to me. Like, the same deer, the same pronghorn, the same bear. Like, yeah. I want to see something that is, like, because taxidermy is so weird. It's so cool. Um, and I want to see something that's, like, crazy or, like, yeah. interesting to look at. Because if you're gonna put that much time and work into making some crazy like dead animal that like last for a really long time, you might as well <laughs> make it like licking its boogers or like doing something really weird. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like those old oddities where they like put the two the two little duckling heads like yeah. on one body type of deal or merge them or whatever. Like all those. Totally. Those are fun, <laughs> but. Uh, that's cool. Um, I don't know, have you, I guess, found kind of a, an audience for your work, if you want to say, like, in this area, or you kind of... Yeah, so I've been really fortunate. Um, I've always been, and when I say always, 
I mean, since I was like 16 years old, I've always been drawn to the tattoo culture. Yeah. Um, and it's always just been like sort of a hovering part of my life. And I, at one point I tried to be a tattooer, but it was not my jam. It was like, I wasn't, I'm not built to do that. Um, but I definitely appreciate the culture and, um, I have an understanding of the, the sort of people that are drawn to that sort of art and my, um, my demographic or which has been my demographic for the last like six years has been tattooers Mm -hmm. and they, they buy my artwork mainly to decorate their spaces. Yeah. So yeah, I've I've been really fortunate to have an actual demographic where I could target that audience and you know do their conventions and do that kind of stuff. That's cool. Yeah, like and I've I don't know been in tattoo shops and like you always see some kind of taxidermy thing or oddity or whatever. Yeah. And so it fits within that realm. That's cool. And then I don't know you are extensively tattooed. How? What all, I don't know, I can obviously see your arm. I know I've seen you have some of your, if not your whole legs. And then, I don't know, have you had more work than that done? Or just? No, I have um, a skin-colored bikini, or a skin-colored bathing suit. Like, it's just my arms and my legs. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I got heavily tattooed for a while. And that's um, yeah, just my arms and one of my legs. I don't have my other, and my one leg is just, like, filled with outlines basically but yeah huh. I don't have anything nothing hidden were you pretty or was it like I know for myself like when I was getting my sleeves done and stuff and just what I've accumulated so far it's like there's a pretty extensive period where you just like seem to be in a shop every other weekend or if not every couple of months like just doing something either hanging out or getting tattooed or something like I don't know what did you end up being like a lingerer in a sense yeah. or whatever. Well, and that's how, that's how I got, you know, that's how I knew about the tattooing communities from being a lingerer since I was like 16. And uh, my ex-husband was a tattooer. So, and I would walk him to work and pick him up from work every day. So I spent four years in a tattoo shop. Yeah. And so, you know, and with really good tattooers, everyone, everyone's a great tattooer. But you know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, and so I, I got tattooed. I definitely got tattooed more heavily while I was married to a tattooer. Um, yeah. What's your favorite tattoo? What's my favorite yeah, tattoo? What's your favorite? Oh, that's a hard question. It's a loaded question. Oh, man. I I think, I just think the sleeve, my, my right sleeve is, is my favorite. Eric Payne did it, and um, he's, he, he and I are like kindred spirits in my mind so like yeah. so he he, he he did a great job it's my I feel like it's I don't know it's a weird thing because it's like that trust and like all that and then the exchanging of energy between like inflicting pain absorbing pain I don't know it's like because like and but it's I don't know it's really inter- interesting like when you find somebody and you instill that trust and but there's always somehow you like mesh I feel like or at least with my own experience absolutely because it's like it's not like you just go to somebody like oh this guy's horrible person but I gotta get this arm done by them it's always there's something that kind of co-mingles and you both are on a similar page or path or something I agree yeah 
but it's it's interesting uh, just because like yeah I was in like the same realm getting tattooed a lot and then also seeking to do like apprenticeship stuff and then I don't know I was just really absorbed into everything and then just the cultural how it's like this has been around I don't know since humans have been walking this earth and so it's like I don't know I really enjoy all that and just changing your form I guess your body and blah 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 that was fascinating. But, uh, did you, uh, so you tried to, like, did you try doing, like, an apprenticeship, or just kind of, or really thinking about it, maybe focusing that way, but then just kind of... Um, I did an apprenticeship for almost a year, and, um, yeah, it just, it wasn't, you know, um, it, it just wasn't my, it wasn't it was a lot of work. It was a lot of devotion and dedication, which it should be. Yeah. But it wasn't my, like, it wasn't my passion. And I, and I accepted that. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, if I'm going to, like, if I'm going to spend this much time and torture, because, you know, at least back when I was trying to do it, like, it was painful. Like, you, you were, you were like a piece of shit. Like, you were like, I'm going to, like, you were, you were a fucking wet rag. Like. Yeah, I had kind of easy, but it's still like, you're going you're, I don't know, you're not paid, you're not, like, you're just kind of scraping by. And yeah, and you're mentally put, abused on your regular. And I, yeah, I'm just trying to put all your efforts and energy into, like, doing, 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 and it's like, when's this reward gonna happen? And it's, yeah. like, kind of tough, and, but you're not, I don't know, I guess that's, like, the problem is trying to focus on a reward of it or something. Well, and that's, know. that's why some people, I think, become great tattooers, or they don't, and, mm-hmm. and I just, it wasn't, it wasn't who I was supposed to be because yeah. if it was, I would have stuck with it. And regardless of yeah. all of the, the suck, you know, cause there's always suck. Yeah. But, um, it's like, what kind of suck do you want to suck? Yeah. Like, is this suck? <laughs> is this suck worth like, like, do you really, really want to do this? If not, like go find, go find an, a, a suck that is worth doing. Like, just keep perverted <laughs> yeah suck with the suck yeah is this suck gonna get you off too <laughs> <laughs> oh my god he's getting off the air suck. <laughs> oh god uh, I don't know and then there's something else I don't know. and then you're like did the TV show thing or whatever the little feature on TLC stuff how was all that oh that was cool um yeah that just had to do with the the sheep wagon building. Yeah. Um, while I was doing the sheep wagons, Tiny House Magazine contacted me, and um, because there was at the time, I haven't even looked into it because it's been several years. But um, at the time when I was building sheep wagons, there was only two companies in the United States that were doing it, and so they were really, and it was it was during the the tiny movement, yeah. the boom. So they contacted me because I was doing the Instagram profile. And I ended up becoming friends with the editor, and he ended up being a ghostwriter for for me because I was like, dude, I'm too like, I, I, I was at the time I was too insecure to write stuff or like yeah. you know what I mean. I didn't have the confidence now. I could give two shits less, but um, so he was my ghostwriter. And then um, I, I'm not sure if it was because of Tiny House Magazine or like just from Tiny House Big Living TV show, like looking for different types of tiny houses but we got contacted and they only wanted to do the show because of like the um 
my parents-in-law, it was just those two, like, that owned it. Yeah. This is really fucked up, but they were too old to do the show. And they were oh. like, they were like, we want our, the demographic we're trying to appeal to, they're, like, younger. Yeah, and so... What I find funny is, like, somehow you've become this little face for them, but it's because, yes. like, you're the younger, more... And I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't even doing sheep wagons at the time. Um, I was doing, I was working on my oddities company and, like, art and doing conventions, and... I had, we had, con- ironically enough, we had converted our house, like, we had a regular, like, nice house, and we converted it into an Airbnb, and we were living in a mini-winnie in the backyard, and so we were... I wanted to do something like that, like, have a house and rent that out, like... Yeah, well, we tried, it, it was, it, it's way harder than it sounds. <laughs> I mean, I guess for some people it would probably be easier, but it was hard, and so we are living in this, like, mini-winnie, so we were already doing the tiny living thing. They contact his parents, and the parents are like, well, my daughter-in-law knows how to build these wagons. She worked with us, you know? So yeah. so th- we made up this scenario where they recruited us, and um, we built the um, the sheep wagon for the television show. And, um, yeah, it was, it was cool. It was an interesting experience, and it also shows you, like, what reality TV is. How, rea- how reality it is in reality. <laughs> yeah, like, it's definitely, like, rehearsed. Or not even rehearsed, it's just, like, they filmed us for, like, weeks. I think they filmed us for six weeks. And there was one camera that was on 24-7, like, all the time. They filmed us for six weeks, and they condensed all of that down into less than, like, it was, like, 20 minutes or 23 yeah, minutes. And crazy. And so you can literally, with all of that footage, you can literally create whatever scenario you want to. Yeah. So that was it, was, it was, it was a really great experience. Like, I would... You know, I would do it again, or I would recommend it. It didn't like, didn't benefit me in any shape or form. Uh-huh. You know, it wasn't but... detrimental. No, it wasn't detrimental. It was fun. It was yeah. cool. So. Huh. And then I don't know. For some reason, I want to go. I want to go back to your punk rock years. What were? Did you go to like a lot of shows and stuff? Oh or man. Just, like, what did you end up? I was a show queen. Oh yeah, I played in bands. Um, I went to sh- I t- I went around the world for shows. When I say around the world, I went to the to Europe. But yeah, like mu- like music was music still is you know a huge part of my life. But it was like I would go to like several shows every week. It was my jam. Yeah. Or yeah. yeah. And that was in Vegas too. So was there like a lot going on there or? Yeah, Vegas was, Vegas, you know, when I look back at it, it was booming, like, um, we had the Hundreds Theater, and the Sanctuary, and, um, they would have, like, on the weekends, almost every single week, they'd have double venue night, where the Sanctuary was connected to the Hundreds Theater, which was basically downtown, and, like, the shittiest part of Vegas, where, yeah. where teenage girls in miniskirts should not be fucking hanging out, <laughs> but my mom, my mom, of all people, would drop me off there every weekend, where we would go with, you know, our little group of punk rock friends and um, go to this big dilapidated building that was badass, a hundredge, and the sanctuary was just like a little tiny, smaller club attached to it, and they'd have both doors open, and you could go between, and like, there was, the when I look back at it now, the bands that would play there, like, were badass, like, um, there was a lot of epitaph bands that would play there. Yeah. But when they were first starting, you yeah, know, and, and when it like now, Epitaph is like evolved to where it's not. I don't know. It's like a pop punky. I don't know. It's kind of weird. They're well, still like. 
Well, and even back then, I used to think that, I used to be like, oh, these bands are suck, like, they're, like, not hardcore enough, you know, because yeah. I was, like, into street punk and stuff, but, like, you'd go to a show and it'd be, like, I don't know, like, Buddha Glow Skulls in one venue, and then, like, Union 13, or, like, uh, you know, like, whatever, like, there was, it was just, it was, like, a lot of bands that people pay a lot of money now to see, yeah. and that don't play anymore, really. But back then, I took for granted. I was like, "Oh, these bands are like these are douche bands." I'm gonna I'm gonna pay six dollars and bitch about how like not punk rock these bands are. But it was yeah. it was cool, you know. Yeah, so cool. And I don't know who are your favorites. I guess growing up. Or... Growing up, my favorite bands. Um, I love this band from the Netherlands called Antidote, and actually went and lived with one of the members in Antidote, um, which was super cool. Antidote, I, I was really into Dutch punk, I was really into obscure punk, like, I got, I, I, it was like, I was like a punk rock snob forever, you know, like, and I, I, like, I ended up living with members of Poison Idea when I lived in Portland, um, I played in a band with members of Septic Death since I lived in Boise. Yeah, so, like, I I was, you know, I was a punk rock snob, and now I look at it, and I'm like, who gives a shit? But back then, it was, like, it was cool to, like, send your demos and have Jello Biafra, like, email you, or, like, you know what I mean? Like, just do shit like that, or, like, get into maximum rock and roll, like, blah. That's but, funny. Did you have, like, much, I don't know, what do you want to call it? I don't know, success, I don't know, in bands, like, when you were doing those, or were they just, like, more just, like, fun project stuff? Uh, it was definitely more fun project stuff. We tried to be successful, but, you know, like, like I said, you, you, when I was, when I was really into that, I thought it was really cool, and I was, like, trying to be successful, but, um, we got, we got on, um, we got on some record, like, small record labels. Um, we got released by, I think it was called Rigid Records. And we got um, on a German label. And they, they pressed our records for us. We didn't have to pay anything. So that was really cool. Like, I have a couple records. Um, and we got to tour. And, you know, we got in magazines. And I got to play, like, some pretty cool shows. Actually, the coolest show, one of the coolest shows I ever played was, like, towards the end. We played the third Tree Fort Music Fest. And for the first three years, I was like, fuck those, uh, like, hipsters. Like, I'm not going to do this shit. And then we finally agreed to do it. And, like, they were so nice. Like, they never, they, they did nothing to deserve our treatment towards them. But we were just, like, too cool for school. And when we finally played, it was, like, the raddest show I'd ever played. Like, we got, like... We were, like, at the Lennon District, the um, the green room for the whole festival was in the Lennon building, so the whole upstairs was just, like, this badass, like, all-you-can-eat buffet of awesomeness, like, all-you-can-drink, there's, like, famous, like, artists from all around the world, like, walking in and out all night long, it, yeah. it was, like, it was like the most rock star I've ever felt in my life, and I had, I had been like too cool for that for so long, and That's that funny. just shows you how stupid the punk rock mentality is when you're when you're wrapped up in that. Like, but yeah. That's that's probably the most successful I ever was was being able to play Tree Fort, so I'm grateful for that. Don't sound like nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> uh, what do you want to tell? name of your band um i was in a band called little miss and the no names okay oh, my, that's hilarious 
Yeah. What did you play? We played in Boise like no, oh, oh, I was the singer in that band. You were? Yeah. That's so fucking weird. Such a coincidental because I was listening to what is the Return of the Disco Witch Hunt yeah. or whatever that you said your ex ran. Well, like when they're doing one of the that's when I'm living in like Ontario. I used to drive I'm driving back and forth to go to school and stuff, but I was listening to like Radio Boise a shit ton. But like I was listening to that, and I heard you guys. I was like, this is fucking cool. And then, like, I donated just to, like, get your little 7-inch. And then I got the canvas thing. And there's a period where I lost it. And I had a pin from you guys, too, that was with it. And I lost the vest that had that pin on it. I'm so sad because, like, that vest had, like, a venue pin. It had uh, a little Miss of the No-Names. And it had, like... This other uh, punk man I've seen. I'll try to I'll try to dig some stuff up for you, okay? Because I'm sure I have some like some lingering pins somewhere. It's a DFMK that's like from Tijuana, lower Southern California, and like they were fun as a random night. Saw them, and I don't know. That's like so cool because I was like, oh, you guys are badass. And then I was like, what? Like a little while later, it's like, oh, you broke up and started something else. I was like, what? <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Um, I. <clears throat> Little Miss No Names was my, like, my most, like, my most, the biggest involvement I had in music. And then I had, <laughs> I had this band as a side project during Little Miss that was called the Toilet Babies. <laughs> and it was, it was awful, but it was so awful that it was good. Yeah. It, was, it was literally like, um, we should have been 12 years old, like, having this band, but we were grown adults. Um <laughs> And that band was cool. We we, got, we made like a, a tape, like a demo tape, and we got reviewed in Maximum Rock and Roll, and they liked what? us. They actually liked us. It was so funny. Um, but yeah, that that band was cool, and that was you know that last probably lasted like less than a year. And then um, I had my very last band I did was called Ball Torture, and I did that with my drummer from Little Miss and uh, my friend Aubrey, who was a guitar player for a band called NFFU. And my friend Macy, she just picked up a bass to learn how to play it just for this band. And that band was rad. Like, we were, like, it was, like, three, like, punk rock, like, to-the-bone chicks yeah. who were just, like, angry and, like, full of angst and, like, mad and um, Corey. And it was, that was my, that was, I really liked that band. Like, I thought we had really cool energy. Um, but, and then I got married and uh, Aubrey... We had a, a, another kid, so it was like, and then Corey, my drummer, like went off to lineman school, so it was like we all just sort of like dissolved. But that band would have been that was like probably my favorite band. No offense to Little Miss, like Little Miss was fun, but it was stressful. Like, I was playing in a band with professional musicians, like, I was the only person who was not a professional musician, so I was like, this is fucking hard, but um, yeah. The other band's cool, yeah. That's cool. How do you, like, how the, I don't know, bands come together, because I've been curious myself. I'm fucking great at karaoke. No, <laughs> but it's like, I like, I don't know, I'm like getting drawn towards it, but I'm like, how did, I've never, I don't know, I've always been such like a wallflower or sideline viewer of things, that it's like, I was like, how do bands come together? It's like, I have several friends that are in bands or doing something. And it's just like, how do they come together? And then, I don't know, like, my friends that are in the band Slurm Flirty Worm, I was like, oh, how do you guys get together? And like, oh, we just kind of like started playing, and then new jam, and then it just like worked out, and like, let's make some songs. And it's like, oh, and then 
the other friend of mine is like their cousin and then their twin sibling they are all in a band so they have their little thing going it's like that's cool and like uh. well i think you know it's probably it's probably similar and different for everybody but yeah. from my experience with bands like you just a you have to want to do it yeah. and you have to you just have to go into it knowing that like um, I guess don't have expectations, but also like know that you're going to have to devote yourself to it because yeah. nothing will come of it unless you actually devote the time. Yeah. Um, and then you just, you have to be serious about it and say, okay, I want to be in a band. You have to decide what you want to do in the band. And then you just kind of like start talking to the people, you know, yeah. who, who have been in bands or who play an instrument, even if yeah. you're not doing one or who are willing to learn how to play an instrument and yeah. just say, Hey, I want to have a band. Let's go jam. And like, you'll be surprised like when you start when you start projecting that you want to do that like yeah. you will get really good feedback and even if the person you're asking isn't interested or doesn't have time or they're in 10 other bands they might know someone else who might be interested or might be like more on your level and just decide what sort of music you want to play yeah. and you know you'll evolve you will turn into whatever you do because you'll have your own idea of what you want to sound like or what you want to sing or play yeah. the music you want to play but once you start involving other people into the band, mm -hmm. it will take on its own life. And, you know, usually there's one or two central brains yeah. of the band who are like, this is what we're deciding it's going to sound like. But everybody contributes and everybody yeah. kind of scopes it into what it is. That's cool. Yeah. So just just put it out there. You know, that's what I would say. Yeah. That's cool. Um, I don't know why I have to jumble it, but... Um, I don't know, your spiritual evolution through all of this, like, confidence and all that. Like, how do you, how have you seen all that shift in these, like, monumental times in your life? Or, like, I don't know, there's, like, always these waxes and wanes. And it's, like, when you're, like, oh, do a great fall. Oh, do a great yeah. fall. And then. Um, it, it follows, it follows the same, it's the same exact thing as everything in life. Yeah. You know, like, the way we look, the way we feel, the way we, you know our relationships like um you you go through life and sometimes you go through the motions and spiritually you're just like you're just being you and you're not even thinking about how you feel spiritually and then once in a while you you usually it's when you fall flat on your face and you're just like yeah. i have nowhere the fuck to go yeah. like what do i reach for is when spirituality comes into your life and it kind of slap shifts out of the head and is like hey this is what you're here for this big lesson you're about ready to learn that's going to be super awesome or super scary or very important regardless it's always very important yeah. um and then you you uh if you're smart you take it and you um you absorb it and you 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 run with it for as long as you can and um yeah like everything runs its course you know you'll you'll go you'll you'll get super pumped up and you'll you'll like hit it as hard as you can and then you might you know sort of like fall out of it for a little bit but that doesn't you you, you only fall out of something forever if you accept that yeah. right yeah. so if you decide like hey um i'm slacking or like there's areas in my life that are sagging but you you make the conscious effort to choose to like get back into your spirituality or your um your self-love or your whatever like you just have to pick it up and it's like working out. You gotta, yeah. you know, if you wanna look good, you gotta work out. If you wanna stay on top of your spirituality and your overall well being, you gotta work it out. You gotta take time for it and yeah. acknowledge it and love it. And, 
be part of it. Like, what's the, I don't know, practices you've, like, done throughout the years or something, or have you had one, or is it more recent? I don't know, kind of curious. Um, my spiritual evolution, so, like, I, I was raised a Christian, and when I was young, probably 11 years old or something, I was in church camp, and I decided, like, I do not believe in God. Like, I, none of this stuff is ringing true to me. And so I decided at that point to not, yeah, like, so I decided at that point to not believe in God. And once I decided that, like, it just sort of, um, fell out of my life and that lasted for a majority of my life. Like it was spirituality, like religion, like all that stuff. Like it wasn't, it didn't even like, it didn't even like register. I didn't really give it too much thought. It was just like, okay, that's just not for me. And I don't mm-hmm. care. Like, I don't care about other people's preferences as long as they're not like smothering me with it. Yeah. Um, and so I just didn't care. And, um, when I was in, I was probably 28 or yeah, I, was, I think I was 28 years old. I did magic mushrooms for the second time. And, um, my, one of my best friends had just passed away. And it was like a couple, he passed away a couple days prior. And I was like, I was fucked up. I was like, I was devastated. And I was like, Hey, what a perfect time to do magic mushrooms. <laughs> and not only am I going to do magic mushrooms, I'm going to do like the most brutal dose of magic, magic mushrooms I've ever done. So I, the heroic dose, the heroic dose. And I, um, lost my ever loving mind and I glimpsed God. Right. And I don't know how else to, to describe it other than like, you know, my mind went in such a place that I, I, I saw something that I had been ignoring. And um, when I woke up from that, when I say woke up, when I, you know, when I lost, like got out of that, I got thrown into one of the most hardcore existential crises of my life. And so for an entire year, like I was in a deep, dark depression of existentialism. Yeah. I even went to a therapist. It was bad. I, it was, it was bad. And everyone was just like, I don't know even, I don't even know what my friends thought at the time because it was all I could talk about. It was just like, dude, I saw something that I can't unsee. Like, this is fucking me up. Like I'm scared. And my God, is this God? Like, what does this mean? And it, and it fucked me up. And it still to this day fucks me up sometimes. But, um, but, um, so I went through that and then, um, I, once I got divorced, it was like, I, I lost a huge like chunk of depression that I was holding on to. And, uh, I had this, this like period of time. It was, it was like a month straight where like my life was perfect. And when I say perfect, it was like, I didn't care about the flaws. Yeah. And it was, it was like, I was in the ebb and flow of the universe. Like it was carrying me yeah. and I was attracting all of the right energies from every direction. Like I would sit on this little tiny wooden porch of this house I was renting and people would walk to me. Yeah. Like I would like summon them without even like doing anything. And it was, it was magical. And that is where I got faith. That was the first time I ever had faith. And that lasted for a little while. And then, um, you know, there's things in my life that's what were happening, you know, with my brain and, you know, my, my, my train of thought. And I started getting into this, this was before I knew anything about like thoughts and like how things were actually, you know, manifested or whatever. So I started getting negative thoughts and, um, things changed rapidly downward, downward hard. 
like really hard. And um, that's when I went into artistic sabbatical and I gave up. I was like, I'm done. Like I'm not doing any of this. And um, so I, and I totally lost um, spirituality, totally lost like all of that. I was just in this deep, dark depression of self-loathing. And um, it was in that where I all of a sudden realized like, um, you know, like I learned about self-love and, um, this little tiny, like, like window of hope reached out or opened and I, um, everything started coming into me. And that's when, again, when I, like, I started reading, I, I started reading, um, literature and, and I started really learning about, um, spirituality yeah. and, um, and faith and all of that stuff. And that's kind of where I'm at right now. Yeah. And like, I don't know this kind of entity you have faith in. Would you say it's like a singular entity or is it just kind of the whole, like the whole, I don't know, gambit that, I don't know, encompasses life, I guess? It's both. Yeah. It's it's everything and all. Yeah. And um, I believe in it all. Yeah. Good, bad, indifferent, in between. It's all God. Yeah. And when I say God, it's such a loaded word yeah. to say, but... I'm saying like it is all one thing and um I don't know what it means and I don't like these are just things I'm learning but it is all God and everything is a lesson and the worst the worst things we do are lessons and the best things we do are lessons and it's all just one amazing thing and and even the worst things are beautiful and um it's all about how we choose to perceive it yes I don't know, it takes a beating sometimes to learn these lessons, and it sucks, but... The beatings are always going to come. But it's, like, beautiful in a sense, because, I don't know, I find myself having my little, I don't know if you want to call them enlightened moments, I'm just like, oh my god, like, just soaking it in, like, what? <laughs> and that's, that's what I think you... That's what I think is like the point is getting yeah. to the point where when you're getting beaten, you can say, please, sir, can I have another, you know, and just you're taking it and you're like, okay, this bad stuff is just because it's preparing me for something really good. That's going to happen yeah. and not letting the bad stuff wipe you out or like beat you down because I, I threw myself into failure. And when I say artistic sabbatical, I mean, I moved, I did the worst thing I could have possibly ever done. I moved in with my parents and I'm still there, but I'm just saying like, that was like the most humiliating thing I could have done as a 31 year old, you know? Yeah. And I did that and, um, I gave up art and I, I gave up on all my friends. I gave up on everything. And I was like, I was like, I'm failing. I'm fa- This is it. I'm going to fail. I'm going to be an alcoholic. I'm going to lose my parents. Like I'm going to, yeah. I'm probably just going to die somehow. Like this is it. This is the end. And, and it's not true. Like that's not how it works unless you let it. Mm-hmm. And you have to, you have to work really hard to stay in that state of mind and that's the thing that people don't understand if you if your life is miserable and full of suck it's because you're working really hard to keep it that way yeah uh. <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh. <laughs> hard, hard suck yeah oh my god that's too good uh i don't know you kind of mentioned substance wise i don't know where you so did you, you, like, really struggled with all that or just kind of really went down a spiral, I guess, with, like, alcohol and stuff or anything like I, I definitely, um, before learning about, like, how to deal with things, um, I was, 
definitely depending on alcohol a lot yeah. um, for a long time. And most people do, and I think that it's it's it, it serves its purpose. And I, yeah. you know, like alcohol. I can honestly say though, like nothing good comes out of like drinking. It really doesn't. You can do like temporarily numbing yourself, and you can relax. But the reality of it is, is like it's not good for you. And um, you know, I still drink. I and I very often drink too much, but it's. The reality of it is it's not good for you and like yeah. but also like being completely sober to me is not good for me it's like i i'm too i don't know like i whatever gives me like a good high like as far as like feeling good about my life and you know having fun or letting loose or like fulfilling whatever role needs to be fulfilled at the moment like that's what's good for me but to do something that is um completely powering overpowering in one aspect of your life that controls yeah. your time or controls your daily routine or anything like that it's not good for you you should never yeah. do anything like that yeah i don't know it's it's interesting how i don't know i find with myself like i'm i don't know i've never been very fond of alcohol but i still am kind of using it to at least overcome that little hump of insecurity but also, but i don't absolutely need it but it is a nice little, oh. eh, little buffer. Nudge buffer. Yeah. And it's like, but I don't know. It's it's funny. Just kind of like when there are I don't know uses to these in some sense, but then also being like actually aware of it instead of just like completely falling Every, down the well with it or something. Well, everything in life can be a trap. Yeah. Whether it be alcohol, food, money, sex. Um, fame, everything, everything is a trap. Yeah. And so it's just, it's just knowing that you're faced with traps all day long and like giving them the right amount of attention. And I'm not saying that I have mastered that skill because I definitely have it. Like I, I fell in a lot of areas, but, um, yeah, like you just have to, you just have to be aware and just like when you start being sucked into something recognize it recognize it for what it is and like i guess pulling in the right people and resources to help you or at least being able to be conscious that's where i've gained i guess my most growth was going deep with some crap and then finally learning how to reach out and like confide in others and have trust and faith that they're not just there to take advantage or, I don't know, leave you or something, yeah. if you want to say. Uh, I guess, uh, I don't know, more with, like, your recent projects. I know you were kind of working on, like, that collective uh, deal. Are you still kind of pushing that or kind of giving that a little bit of a break or anything right now or just kind of... Um, so every every single thing, and I this is one thing I am recognizing, and it's really strange, but... I say every single thing, but maybe it's not every single thing, but most things in my life that I start, if I put it on pause, it always comes back. Mm. And, you know, we stop things for whatever reason, yeah. um, but it's still there. It still exists and it's still something I'm doing, <laughs> but it's, um, it's not my focal point right now. I was giving too much attention. Um, I was, I was taking on everything at once because I had such a, um, an influx of, like hope and power and I, w I was at a really like um 
positive growth point yeah. that I was I was like, okay, I'm here. I'm going to do as much. I'm going to expand as quickly as I can. And so I threw my fillers out and I, you know, I grabbed on to everything that I could. And everything that I have thrown my fillers out to, I still believe in all of that. Yeah. But as far as what I'm focusing on at the moment, I am purely just trying to get the fuck out of my parents' house <laughs> yeah. and make the right move so that I don't have to move again or so that I don't end up in another shit situation. Like, yeah. I'm just, so I have to, I have to focus on myself and like write my life. Like build another foundation. Yeah. Like certainly. get what I'm doing solid and then game on baby. Like I am, yeah. I'm ready. Like for all, everything and everything, you know, anyone and everything. Huh. Awesome. Uh, I don't know. I don't really know what else to talk about. We've gone a while. If you can. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Um, but, uh, I don't know. It sounds pretty good. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for Thank thanks for talking to me and caring caring about my life. You're I awesome. Care about you. Oh, I care, care about you. I <laughs> feel sappy. But, uh, I guess, and then what was, like, do you want to plug your Instagrammy thing or anything yeah. where you kind of like people to go to find your work? Yeah, if you want to um, see my artwork or just like a glimpse in my personal life, um, my Instagram is mind underscore garden. And um, I have Boise Oddities Co. That's my Instagram for my oddities company with a couple partners of mine. And I also have Mind Garden Studios, which is basically just like. Um, artists around the United States and the world that I think are super cool that I just post little tidbits about. Um, but yeah, the, the one I'm most active on is going to be mine underscore garden. And if you have any questions or you want to reach me, uh, mindgardenart at gmail.com. Cool, cool. And how's your little oddities thing going? Like, since you've kind of partnered, partnered up? Um, it's, it's another one of those things, like, we, we have it in the works, but um, my partner, she is a full-time masseuse okay. running her own business. And then her um, her boyfriend, who's part of it, he is a firefighter. So it's just like when we have the time oh, wow. to do it. Yeah. But um, That's a lot. Yeah, it's, it is what it is. Like, it's, it's cool. It's an interest we all have. But um, I'm doing my thing, and I'm not, you know, and I'm teaching them. So I'm sort of holding their hand. And, like, okay. when I say holding their hand, like, I'm just kind of showing them the ropes of, this business because it's what I've done for a really long time and like I'm trying to get them versed on what it takes and and if they like it they like it and great and if not like great too like we're just having fun I guess I kind of missed it but did you um, like intern or apprentice or kind of for taxidermist or whatever however you want to say it or just kind of I don't know pick their brain for a good while I don't know um I I was so I bought I I collected taxidermy and like oddities with my ex-husband and it got to the point where we were like hoarders and decided we should probably start selling it. And so I started selling off the collection and I was pretty good at it and it was super fun collecting it. So I was like, let's make this into a business. And so I was like buying and selling and he was helping me buy and sell oddities, art, taxidermy. And then, um, I was really interested in taxidermy mainly, and then I got um, to the point where I wanted to, to learn how to do it, so I sort of taught myself to do it, okay. and I did that for like a couple of years, and I was fortunate enough to get to work with one of my favorite ta- taxidermists. She totally was like, saw my heart and my soul, and was like, come to Virginia, baby, so I, I went down to Virginia, and she um, she taught me like some really cool stuff, and um, I came back with with the knowledge she taught me and I've talked to some other taxidermists and I've been presented with opportunities to work with other taxidermists but at the same time like I'm not 
taxidermy is definitely a part of my artwork. It's definitely part of yeah. like what I want to do, but it's not my fo my main focus right now. Okay. So um, I will. I feel like this next chapter that I'm getting ready to unfold in, which is going to be the most exciting chapter, is going to take me to work with taxidermists more often. Um, but yeah. Huh. Okay, I just had like my own little boop. Um, I don't know, just because how you do like your mosaic work and stuff, but it's like then start working with taxidermists to create those. Like they can still do what they do, but then you do what you do and it meshes. I don't know, you already kind of do that yourself, but like open people up more than just like I want the generic mount, it needs to be the little shield head on there. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, oh, we can yeah, we can bedazzle your, your shield. You want some bedazzling Some googly eyes? <laughs> do you want regular eyes or googly eyes? <laughs> <laughs> Alright, well, cool. thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Rebecca. Yeah. Uh, that was awesome. Thanks again. Oh, yeah.